Disclaimer. The following podcast contains explicit language and adult content. The content may offend some listeners. Relax and don't be a hater. Hello. Welcome to a walk in the park podcast. (laughs) This is Riss. And this is Babs. And in our podcast, we talk about life, liberty, and the pursuit of wine, cake, laughter, friendship, success, families, fun, the extraordinary. We're happy you're listening. I can't stop laughing. <laughs> I love it. Let's just get this walk started, baby. Woo-woo. Guys, how do you talk about life when you haven't even lived at all? And how do you talk about love when the only thing you love is your dog? I don't know. episode of a walk in the park podcast babs riss and mb cover their usual topics covid sports specifically tennis and the nfl trump we also touch base on biden's vp candidates who's not running for re-election in congress and perhaps the most controversial subject in the podcast back to school. If you are a teacher, know a teacher, love a teacher, support teachers, you might be a little disturbed by some of the information that we had researched and were sharing about what some teachers here in Georgia um, are sharing about their thoughts about going back to school. Uh, So I will say, if you listen to the very end, we will try to also give some time uh, to counter that feedback with teacher concerns. But for now, please listen and enjoy. We are getting our act together because this is a walk in the park podcast and that's what we do. <laughs> yes. We do. <laughs> or what and how we do. Are we recording? We are recording. Oh, that's exciting. I'm pretty sure. Yep. We're Yay. recording. Oh my goodness gracious. Hey, Michael, oh did, you, uh, did you eat my cookies and my muffins? I ate your muffins. How were they? They were, they were delicious. Good. I'm going to get some more blueberries probably later today. Cindy's growing. She's got like five blueberry bushes in her backyard, and it's like a, a bump of crap every day. I didn't get any muffins or cookies. I know. Well, that's because we all live right down the street. Made me sad. <laughs> sad now. <laughs> See, that's why you have to buy that house down the street. No. <laughs> no. No. Uh, although, you know, real estate is interesting. I am still trying to get to Cayman. But Grand Cayman won't let anybody in right now. And then I bet they don't let the U.S. in because we are a germy, COVID-ridden country. I heard MB wanted to start us off with some COVID updates. Yeah. It says COVID cases surge. Atlanta restaurants face the decisions on restrictions. Well, I know Mayor Keisha Lance Bottoms is saying she's making it mandatory to wear masks in public now. And, of course, the brilliant Governor Kemp is saying no, and that's not legally enforceable. And I don't know if his executive order is even still in place. His executive order that said no municipalities or other, you know, local governments could make stricter rules than he did because... 
I thought maybe by now that had already expired, but perhaps it hasn't, perhaps it hasn't, in which case then he is technically correct based off of his executive order. But I think he's being, I'll call him an a-hole. <laughs> I don't, you know, I don't, it's very overwhelming to me. You know, I understand the need and the drive to want to open up the country and people need to get back to work, but if you can't take precautions, like, I don't, and I, oh, well, in another angle, why can't you just wear a mask? What's the big deal? Why is everybody saying? Um, Marissa, it's an infringement of your personal freedom. The word mask is probably in the Constitution saying the government can't make me wear a mask. Well, you know. <laughs> yeah, people, I that would, would be no. I would love to be able to walk up to somebody and say, where is the Constitution? Yeah, yeah. That? I'm sorry. Which constitutional freedom is this? And then I would like to say to them, but well, you're insisting on my freedom. Yeah, yeah. And you're probably the same people that Ben are complaining about having to go back to work in other scenarios. Right. Like, I'm just, I'd just be very curious, you know, if maskers are also then complaining that their safety is compromised on their job. Right. That would be interesting. Right. Right. But yeah, so Georgia's surging. Last I looked, we're in the top five for all the bad things. Maybe not deaths. We might not be top five in deaths, but we're, we're got the hospitalizations on the increase, the positive cases on the increase, the positivity rate. So, yeah, COVID is, um, is continuing to all parts of our lives. And, uh, of course, relevant to all three of us, that is a good transition to back to school. Yes. All right. Well, you know what? You start off, and then whatever, whatever you, you can't answer. I know that I I'm part of a group for in um uh, on Facebook mm -hmm. that it's really the greater um area respond to his high school. You get your high school, and um yeah, they had they've been. They've been saying a lot. They've been following up on everything going on. Well, so let's ask MB first. What What are your thoughts on going back to school, and what is your choice, or what choice have your parents made for you? I haven't talked to them about the choice yet. Okay. Yeah. But you know what the choices are, right? You either go back to school yes. or you do remote learning still. Do you have a yes. preference? I'd rather see my friends. Yeah. Now, Marissa, has um, has Fulton County or any of the schools said they're going to make wearing masks mandatory? Fulton County, yes. Cherokee and... Uh, Maybe um, Cobb hasn't? Uh, uh, well, Cherokee, they... I know for a fact, has not made it mandatory. Okay. But I, I know that Fulton has. Okay. So, all right, so mandatory masks, that's the same at my girls' small private school. I mean, at their school, the rationale was, you know, teachers, staff members, the students are required to wear masks. We cannot provide six feet of social distance in our classrooms, and therefore the mask requirement is mandatory. Um, so that, yeah, and they're going to do temperature checks at the door, which I don't know if Fulton County is. I mean, again, far fewer students my girls small private school so they can probably more easily do temperature checks but they said 
They're going to do temperature checks in the car. So you don't even get to get out of the car wow. until they check your temperature. So I'm thinking, that's going to slow down carpool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But. So currently over 4,700 students have enrolled in the virtual option. And they're saying, um, as a matter of fact, Michael's MB's mom mentioned last night that they're expecting over 10,000. To do virtual? Yeah. Well, I think that's good then, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, if you could almost get at least a 50-50 between remote and virtual, then, right. you know, you might be achieving a reasonable amount of safety. I've heard some different complaints. So these are not my complaints. These are complaints that I'm sharing from what I've read on Facebook and heard some other people say. Uh, so there's one, you know, comments on Facebook from teachers who are complaining that they have to go back to work but I don't see those complaining teachers offering any solutions to providing an alternate quality education. What the public schools did from March to May was unacceptable. There was no teaching. They what, sent out packets and said, do this. What were those teachers doing all day while they were getting paid to teach? So that's like some, that's one person's feedback. Um, another one, and I did think this was kind of, this was an interesting one to me, it says, I see teachers complaining that they are not responsible for restarting the economy and they are not babysitters. Uh, babysitters? Is that what you think of your students? How does a child coming to school where you are being paid to teach them suggest babysitting? It reminds me of the expression, it isn't babysitting when it's your kid. Well, it isn't babysitting when it's your student, it's your job. Uh, let's see. And then last one that I'll share. If you don't want to do your job, then quit. Do you think that grocery store workers signed up for the pandemic? Do these teachers who are complaining that they did not sign up for this need groceries and shop for them? Are they all quarantining at home? Are their families? If they are so concerned about COVID, shouldn't they be self-sheltering in place? So, um, and then ancillary to that, I have heard some teachers complaining. I've seen direct on Facebook that they are being required to like, disinfect, like wipe down their classrooms in between classes. And I'm thinking, is that really so hard? Yeah. Run a couple Lysol wipes over desks, spray some disinfectants in the air, wipe off the doorknobs and light switches. I, I'm just like, wow, are this person I'm thinking, are you thinking that you shouldn't do anything to help out in this situation? Like, I'm sorry, that to me is not an unreasonable request. Now, again, I will say, of course, in my girl's private school, they can afford to and have hired a full-time on-site janitor whose sole job is to be there when school is in session and literally walk around disinfecting everything when the kids are in class and then going in and, you know, disinfecting in between. Well, let me ask you this, and, and I think we've discussed this before, but just to reiterate, when the girls were, because your girls go to private school, yes. when, they were, when they were doing online learning, they... Were they having seven classes a day or were they having just a couple? They had their full schedule, which at their alternative schedule school is five classes a day because okay. they don't do right, like right. electives and whatnot. Um, and they had synchronous learning through Microsoft Teams. So their teacher was physically in front of them on the computer and I teaching to them. Why we do um, so you have to pay for Microsoft Teams subscriptions for users and maybe the public figure out how to afford it um 
but yeah, I got asynchronous learning for the schools aren't open and they're not paying for that overhead. That they could save that money into online. They're not paying overhead, yeah, for maybe maybe their utility bills and things exactly. are lower, but I'm sure whatever insurance payments they have to make them for more schools or whatever rent or mortgage payments they make, right? If they don't own the building, their finance. Um, but yeah, so, and again, my girls go to a small private school. So yeah, and again, I think it's because they can afford to. Like, our school has even upped its game with the virtual learning. They've now installed cameras in all classrooms. They've changed their policies now where they've upgraded their setup. So they're saying students who are doing the remote virtual at home have to have their videos on and be in class for the entire 50 minutes. Because without video, which they said from March to May, they were like, please turn off your video and please mute your microphone. Because teachers were teaching from home, and I think they just weren't sure about, like, connectivity and things like that. Um, but so, so they have a lot more new policies now. And, so. and I mean, of course, my girls both want to go to school. We have to commit in nine-week increments. They have a quarter system set up. So we'll commit to going in person the first nine weeks. Um, and I am not confident that the schools are going to, any of the schools are going to stay open for the entire year. So I was like, well, let's see what we can do to start and go from there. Yeah, um, I think, I think everything will shut down. If everything keeps going the way it's going, we might not even start. Well, that's true. Although somebody, so people have different philosophies about COVID, right? Some people don't care that the case numbers are going up if hospitalizations aren't going up and deaths aren't going up significantly. Okay, so that, okay, so that's fine. Um, but what we are seeing here in Georgia, as Michael pointed out to us, I believe, is, you know, the hospitals are now starting to fill up again and they don't have space. And Governor Kemp has reactivated the Georgia World Congress Center's overflow. So that's when you reach the problem. That's what we shut down to try to avoid. We don't want to overtax our health system. We don't want people showing up at the hospital and there not being a bed for them. And remember, this isn't just COVID people. God forbid any of us get into an accident or have some heart attack. I mean, it's like everybody should care whether or not they're worried about getting COVID or not. Like, okay, you can 100% say you're not going to need any hospital medical care for the indefinite future. Right. But anyway. No, you know what that uh, it doesn't make sense. If Kent is going to open up the World Congress Center for overflow, it should be. I shouldn't have to do that. You people should be wearing your masks. Well, some people refuse to see the correlation between masks and decreasing cases, even though I feel like now it's kind of been shown. And the worst case scenario is like it's certainly not hurting anything to wear no, the mask. That's so my if there's thing. even an incremental benefit. Why wouldn't you do it? And I do know some people struggle with wearing masks. I do know for some people it's, it's claustrophobic. Yeah, it's claustrophobic. It's mentally hard for them. I mean, Vivian does not love wearing a mask. And I'm actually going to have, you know, we're trying out different kinds. And I'm going to have her practice wearing it for an extended period of time right. um, before she goes back to school, which but is I what they recommend. The disposable ones seem to fit the best. 
And oh, the paper one? So I'm thinking of stocking up on them and all the excuses throughout the day. And then you start yeah. Well, if you can get them. I didn't know that they were readily yeah. available. Yeah, they're selling them at Walmart. Sometimes you walk in the door and they're like a 50 pack for like 17 bucks. I think it's highway robbery, but <laughs> whatever. I mean, I've been stocking up on things as I find them. Right. But if we're quarantined again, it's going to be a moot point because I won't be going out. Right. <laughs> well, you still have to go out to like grocery right, shops. Right. But, but anywho. Uh, uh, it's just a mess. We need to run the Well, I do think we would do a better job than some of the people are doing. <laughs> I'll, I'll say that, um, but it is interesting. So MB, what are your latest thoughts on uh, yes. Biden's VP picks? What are you thinking about his shortlist these days? He He's not going to choose until next month. At the convention? Yeah. So what are your thoughts? Do you think he's going to pick one of the four? Shortlist people, we've got um, Kamala Harris, Keisha Lance Bottoms, Tammy Duckworth, and Val Demings. Do you think he's going to pick one of those four women? I heard people saying he might pick Kamala Harris. Okay. Uh, okay, so Marissa groaned there. She's not a Kamala Harris fan. No. Explain why. Oh, okay. I think she, I don't think she's put on her feet. Like, okay. I don't think Biden is anymore. Okay. He used to be, but I think that uh, Kamala Harris just she seems like more of a hater. She's a very, very, very smart woman. I'm not going to take any of that away from her, and she's very good at her job. But I don't know that she's a key, she'd be the best running mate. I think she's a little bit more angry. But when I see someone like Keisha Lance Bottoms, this is a woman who wants uh, like peace. Like she wants to do the right thing. She's not angry. Yes, she is. There's a definitely. Uh, she has a calming effect on me. I like her. Oh, interesting. <laughs> I have not. Wa I've I've not watched her that much in person. You know, if I go on and on ad nauseum, I get all up most of my news through reading. Right. But um, I mean, I have heard that about her, and you know, it's always a careful word to use in relation to women, right? Angry. So I think like. Yeah, I think maybe Bottoms just has a different perspective than Harris um, that is more in touch with the Black Lives Matter movement right now and being in the South, being in a red state. I mean, Kamala Harris is from, you know, the blue state of California and uh, her heritage is actually Jamaican Indian. Um, I know that people would look at her and think, oh, she's an African-American, but she is not. Um, as a woman of color, I do believe that in the course of her life, she can point to many instances of racism and racial bias against yes. her. Um, but yeah, I really, I really do not have any idea who he's going to pick, but I mean, I won't be surprised if he picks Harris. She is probably, in some regard, the quote-unquote safest bet, right. but we shall see. Um, I was reading this interview, so last month the New York Times Magazine published this interview with Jon Stewart. It was kind of a 
I know compilation. It was so sad that he like bowed out of the public eye, so to speak, in uh, 2015. But it was interesting. So they asked him, um, "Is Biden doing enough to beat him? Him meaning Trump?" And so John Stewart, former host of The Daily Show and writer and director of the just released movie Irresistible, which I watched last night said, quote, there is no oxygen for the campaign other than the oxygen that Trump's Twitter feed puts into things. And no matter what, Trump has defined the terms of the fight. It's going to be, what is America's greatness? You have to fight in those terms, and that's an opportunity to define what you believe is our greatness. Now, that's not to say to Biden, that's not to say the political consultants won't say to Biden, you need to define your own lane, but he doesn't. The road is built. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> But all right, well, let's do a new poll. All right, so MB, do you think Biden's going to pick Harris? Nee. Who do you think he's going to pick? I said maybe. Pick? All right, you don't have a strong feeling on who he's going to pick? No. Okay, what about you, Riss? I think if we're looking at a national level, we're picking Uh huh. And she did run. She wasn't the race run. to run. Yes. And also, she's a lawyer. She is. She's working as a congresswoman for. She's a senator. Senator, excuse me for. Oh wait. I thought you. My God, no, she's not a senator, is she? No. Check that out. Check. I was gonna say this. This just goes to show how I can't um keep things in my brain because of course I should know whether she's a senator or not. She is a senator. Okay, she, so I think she's the junior. Oh yeah, she's the junior. Yeah, yep. The junior <laughs> senator from California, and then the senior senator is Diane Feinstein, who serves who serves on the judiciary committee. Right. Okay, but then to get back to my point is, although she's known on a national level, she's never really run anything. And I, I kind of have to give credit to Keisha Lance Bottom. She's running the biggest city in the southern part of the United States. Um, she's doing a really good job, I think. And when you, when you have that type of background running something, it's you're looking at all the pieces as opposed to just one thing. Well, that's a good point. And then, of course, I think we've talked about this in the past. It's, it's the reason why Amy Klobuchar bowed out, I think, of contention because mm -hmm. of her record as a DA with the police. Right. And that is Kamala Harris's background as well. Correct. Um, she had, whereas as mayor of, you know, a city, you don't have the same relationship with the police. And so... Well, I, it's a different type of relationship. Yeah, like if you're a DA, if you're a lawyer who's prosecuting crimes, mm -hmm. then the police are your ally. You're working with them together mm -hmm. to put people in prison or to convict them. Whereas with a mayor, you're working to keep the city safe. You're not the one making the decisions, okay, are we going to prosecute this person? That's the DA. Um, That's a good point. So it is just interesting, you know, if they dig into Kamala's background, what are they going to find? And it is, is it going to offend or turn away the minority vote? Like, would the minority vote be more likely to come out if Biden puts Bottoms on his ticket or Harris? 
Because you have to believe, even is though down to those two now, or is it I don't know. Or? Well, it's Duckworth and Demings. I don't. It. I don't know. I know. Well, <laughs> Duckworth might be too controversial, but yeah. she checks so many boxes. She's a veteran. I mean, she's uh, what? She's a woman. <laughs> she's a minority. She's um, a, now she's a congressman. No, no, I think she's a senator. Isn't she from? Yeah, she. She's a senator from Illinois. Which Illinois has 20 electoral college votes, so that's no small chump change. Georgia has 11. California has... California. Like, yeah. Yeah, California. they have probably what? How many, they probably have like 40 or something? Let me see. Yeah, they, have, they have 55. Oh, 55. But you have to believe it's... The thing about Kamala Harris is... New York, New York, yeah, yeah. Both California, Florida, New York all have 29 electoral votes, but Texas has 38 electoral votes. Wait, 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 but California has the most. You said they have 55, right? Yeah, that's what you just said. Yes. Yeah, because California is the most populous state in the country, I think, followed by Texas. Yes. So, um, yeah, so I don't know. It's just very interesting. Um, it may be a last-minute call. I mean, it may be very last-minute where... So who's actually in contention now? Is it, it's more than them? It's Duckworth? I think it's... Those are the only four I've heard I about. haven't heard that Duckworth. Oh, yeah, Duckworth and Tucker Carlson has been attacking her, saying she isn't a patriot and she hates this country. And she's like, all right, I served my country and lost two legs fighting for them. But, yeah, I'm not the patriot, you non-military. I think she also said, I think she also said to take a a mile, to walk a mile in my legs. Yeah, exactly, right? Oh, I'm sorry, the two legs that I gave for my country? (laughs) Oh, my God. Don't even get me started on Tucker Carlson, because I was reading some, you know, John Stewart had a couple of things to say about Tucker Carlson and Sean Hannity as, like, the next generation of horror that, uh, you know, took over from Phil O'Reilly. He's a horrible person. I'm not forced to, but I can watch Oh, my God. One day. I know. Well, and here's the thing. He, oh my gosh, what was I reading? It was so. Yeah, well, what do they say? Wait, who? Kennedy, oh. I don't like people who yell. Stacey Abrams was always yelling for a while. Oh, was she? Yeah, and I'm like, Stacey, I can't hear you. Oh, yeah, see, but this is good. If you, you don't listen to people, you don't hear them yelling. <laughs> If you just read what they're about, you know, you tune out the noise. According to um, John Stewart, the enemy is noise. The goal is clarity. But uh, anywho, yes. So, well, I, I guess I won't be surprised if Biden picks Harris because I think he's kind of, he's a moderate person. I think he is not going to be like, I think it would be pretty outrageous if he um, picked bottoms. I don't know that he'll do that. So, 
I had something interesting. This is regarding the convention. The okay. DNC, the DNC, the Democrat National Con Committee, outlined remote voting process for Milwaukee convention. Remote voting process. Is that for the American people? Yes. Or is that for their voting to says, nominate Biden as the presidential candidate? It says the Democratic National Committee, the DNC has outlined the remote work and voting process for delegates at this okay. year's convention in Milwaukee with voting for the party's presidential nominee to take place over a nearly two-week period. Wow. Now, okay, wait, MP, so are the Democrats getting together physically in? I bet, some, I bet some of them are, like Biden says, he's going to go to Milwaukee and accept the nomination. Okay, so maybe it'll just be a smaller in-person event and they're going to work the other people in remotely is what it sounds like. Yeah. It says... Delegates to this year's convention will vote remotely using a system the planning committee crafted that allows them to cast their ballots via email. I like it. It's very interesting. It's like a little uh, case study for perhaps different modes of voting in the future here in America. Interesting. But it's a yeah. I know, blockchain voting. We need Jonathan to just like save the voting world, basically. Save us, Jonathan. Save us, Jonathan. You're the only one who can. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness, for the love, for the love. Well, all right, before we switch from politics, you know, so we've talked a little bit about Biden. I want to mention Trump. John Stewart had a funny thing to say about Trump in his interview. He said he described Trump as being like a malevolent Mr. Magoo. He always knows the I-beam is going to swing down and the building is going to collapse, but who cares because he'll walk out unscathed. That's what he has learned. Yeah. Uh, have both of you heard, you know, Trump's niece, Mary L. Trump, who is a clinical psychologist, has written a tell-all family memoir that's coming out later this month. Too much and never enough. How my family created the world's most dangerous man. Why? Yeah. Why is she writing it? Yeah. Because she's had enough. She doesn't want her uncle to be reelected. She said um, Trump's sister, Marianne, who is not her mother. Mary is the daughter of uh, the oldest Donald Trump, Donald Trump generation child, Freddie Trump Jr., who died in 1981 at the age of 42 from an alcoholic-related heart attack. Um, but apparently Donald Trump's sister, Marianne, was like, he's such an idiot. There's no way people are going to elect him. That's what she said before he got elected. <laughs> anyway, there is going to be a lot of good stuff in that book. I'll tell you that. So yes. I'll be, I'll be either buying <laughs> I have, I have another intro. downloading it on Audible. Sorry, what, MB? I have another interesting thing about the DNC convention. It says the window for voting will begin August 3rd and will close August 15th when the state delegation chairs are asked to submit their final tallies to the DNC secretary. That means the party will know the tally of votes for its nominee before the four-day 
convention formally kicks off on August 17th. Ah, okay, that's interesting. Yes, that's an important update to note. So they're doing all the voting before the convention. Okay, well, I mean, August then, is going to be a happening month, people. Let me tell you that. It, it says after the DNC convention is Trump's convention. All right, regardless, whoever, whenever it's the incumbent party's convention, like it's basically a president running for a second term, I always find that highly uninteresting, whether it's Democrat it's, or Republican. The Democrats convention is the first. Oh, yeah, I'm going to write in Kanye. He's not going to get on the ballot, but I'll write him in. <laughs> it says, yeah. Oh, God, I can't believe him. And you know what's kind of funny, though? I will say one thing about this upcoming election. I'm very surprised that the Republicans, no one's actually running against, like another Republican running against him. I'm not surprised because it's not typical for anybody to run against the incumbent, but right. because it's Trump, I am a little ashamed of the Republican exactly. Party that they couldn't, they couldn't, I mean, it's just like, come on, like literally this man is only going to get four more years. Right. Do you think that running somebody against him and supporting something else is going to so ruin the party that you'll never get another Republican president elected? No. If anything, I think you would convince more independents yeah. to tend to vote Republican in the next, if not this election, and also the next election, if you actually just admitted Trump was a mistake. We ran 20 people against him, and this is who we picked? I, that's exactly my point. Come on. It's shocking to me. I've been keeping a track of how many Republicans are retiring from Congress. Oh, yeah? Oh. What do you got for us? I... I've been keeping, I've been updating my list. Okay, lay it on us. Once I find, it says, the, there are 22 Republican members of the U.S. House retiring, which are Rob Bishop, a Republican representative from Utah's first congressional district, Rob Woodall, from the seventh congressional district of Georgia. Georgia, wait, what's that guy's name again? R R Rob Woodall. Oh wait, I I knew that. That's that's right. Sorry, my friend was running uh, to take his seat in the seventh district in Georgia, which is largely Gwinnett County, and sadly she did not win the Democratic nomination. But okay, I knew he was re I knew he was retiring. Okay, sorry. Next, <laughs> Jose uh, Jose Serrano, a Democrat. A Democrat representative from New York's 15th Congressional District. Okay. That's interesting. Susan Brooks of Indiana. Uh, Paul Mitchell from Michigan. Who are Pete they? Democrats Olson. or Republicans? Is Susan Brooks a Democrat? Republican. Republican. No, a Republican. Interesting. Martha Roby. Uh, Mike Conway from Texas. Will Hurd from Texas. With There's a lot of people from Texas retiring. Interesting. Are they mostly Republicans or Democrats? There's five, there's five Democrats retiring, and there's 22 Republicans retiring. What the heck? And that's a Republican state. 
it's a Republican state, but I'm like, that also sounds like 27 districts. How many districts, congressional districts does Texas have? Yeah. Is, is anybody running for re-election in Texas? Let me check. That's weird. Let okay. me Texas, Texas, congressional, let's see, congressional districts, let's see, let me find the map, let's see. It's crazy. Map. A lot. It's, yeah, there's a lot, there's, it says there's, there's, there's the Texas 13th Congressional District. There's the Texas 4th Congressional District. There's the Texas 5th Congressional District. There's the Texas... 36. Texas yeah, has 36 Congressional Districts, and you were saying 27 of those 36 are retiring? Yeah. Tw no, 22. 22. Okay, still, that's like... Still, that's a lot. That's like what? That's like almost two-thirds? More than half. I guess it's a little more than half. It says, let me count the number of them again. There's one, two, three, four. Yeah, there's five. There's five of them retiring. Okay, that's the Democrats, right? No, those are the Republicans oh, who are it. retiring. Dang it. <laughs> So only yep. so Democrats can only flip five seats there. Then you're saying, and it's how many? So the other seventeen are Democrats. Wait, no, I can't do math. How many? The Republicans? They're twenty-two. But how many were Republicans? Five. No one. I I lost I lost count. <laughs> That's okay. We'll wait. You can count again. No, of the 22, five were Democrat. The rest of them were Republican. That's why we wanted to Wait, know that's what I'm wondering, though. Yeah. Is that true? Wait, MB was recounting. <laughs> I'm, I'm recounting. Recount. There's the list of Republicans. I'll count. 27. No. Really? Let me check again. Okay, that's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I mean, I would like more Republicans to retire, <laughs> not run for re-election. There's, uh, you know whose list, of, you know who's on, it says, let me count, there's two Republicans retiring from Alabama. There's, oh, okay, outside of Texas. Okay, I thought we were talking just in Texas, but you're talking No, we're, we're talking, okay. we're talking overall, there's, All right, there's, that makes more sense. Yeah. Okay. Because not the entire house is up for re-election every two years. All four hundred and thirty-five. Yeah, so twenty-seven yeah. overall. That's not that many, actually. I mean, that's like about a half a percent or five percent. Why can't I do math? It's the wine. It's the fake Vouvray from the same vineyard that Marissa and I are drinking. It's fine. You introduced me to it, sir, sir Lee. But how dare Twitter oh, does not have any Vouvray? Why are we arguing? Because we're mad at Trader Joe's. They don't have the wine Marissa and I like. In three years, you'll know what we're talking about. Yes. 
three years. Oh my goodness. Let's. All right. So I thought talk, it, oh, we're going to talk about politics. All right. Side note by Marissa. Side note, What's the um, side note? Dad, you were on vacation last week. I was. Did any uh, political conversations come up in your family? Because those are always interesting. Well, and so, of course, we try to avoid these in oh, my good. family. Okay, good. Um, because I will say, I mean, it's just my parents that are Trump supporters. So no one else in my family is a Trump supporter. So if we argued, we would just be arguing against my parents and we just try to avoid that. Now I could get us off on an entirely separate tangent with my younger brother who mentioned something politically adjacent and I was just like, why are you even speaking those words in this house? <laughs> so wait a second, um, your parents are Trump supporters. Yes. Are there any Republicans in well, well, doesn't that make you a Republican no, if you're a Trump supporter? No, I know right. a lot of people who would say they're Republicans, but they don't like Trump. Okay. Well, I but I think okay. So I understand that. But if aren't all Trump supporters Republicans? I guess I don't know. My parents might say they're independents. Okay. But I don't think they've voted for a Democrat since Michael Dukakis from Massachusetts <laughs> ran in '88. Is my best guess. All right, that's not actually true. I don't know that 100% for sure because my parents don't share who they vote for. I just make educated guesses. I feel like my, maybe the first Republican my parents voted for that I was aware of was George W. Bush in 2000, maybe. I feel like maybe they voted for Clinton in the 90s. I'm not sure. All I know is something shifted. I definitely got the impression growing up that my parents voted Democrat, and so... I feel like they shifted in their advancing age. Um, and I have lots of theories about that. Like, I just don't get it. Like, my, I don't get my, why my dad has certain positions on certain things, because he is a retired, financially well-off white male living in Massachusetts. Like, why is he so worked up about immigration? There are no immigrants taking his job. There are no immigrants coming over borders into his state, but yet, but yet get him talking about immigration and he loses his mind. Republicans do get, uh, you know, fired up about immigration. I don't know why. And I, and I, I defer to what you always said in the beginning. If you don't like it, then just you have to fix the system. Not yeah. Don't break the laws. Don't, don't break the yeah. laws and shut down the borders. That's right. So you have to fix because there are a lot of problems with immigration. And the problems with immigration are not exclusive to um, border control issues. Right. I mean, it's also, you know, backlog with immigration courts and not having enough judges to handle the cases. But yes, you and I have talked about this before, Marissa, that the U.S. signed and is obligated under certain treaties, which are technically by the Constitution, the highest law of this land. And when we don't let people in as and to claim asylum, we are violating those treaties, and that's not cool. As you said, if you don't like that, well, then I guess you need to figure out a way to get yourself out of the treaty right. and do something different. But you're effing hypocrites if you call yourself a patriot and then just don't even uphold the Constitution of the United States of America, in my humble opinion. In your humble opinion. In my humble opinion. <laughs> <laughs> That's a word that describes Babs always. Humble. Oh, yeah. Humble. 
I'm the most humble person you know. I'm a stable, humble genius. <laughs> if I do say so myself. <laughs> oh, for the love of all that is holy. Oh my God, for the love, for the love. Okay, so MB, I know you've been dying probably to talk sports, but uh, please talk to me first about tennis and the NFL, the two, yeah, things, that, I, the two is, things I care about. Well, I well, you know what? I would say add one more thing to the list, although it's not going to be because it's an odd issue. I really miss World Cup soccer. Now, that, I don't think this uh, is World a year. Cup. Yes, but I do love World Cup soccer, and I just miss it. But you're right. That's not an every year no, thing, right? No, it's not an every year thing. In no. fact, I, does it usually coincide with the Olympics? Yes. So it should have, but in which case, I thought it was let's see, which should World Cup soccer have started this year? Uh, blah, blah, blah. I don't know. Now I'm confused. Oh, no. Okay, 2022. Okay. So it's off. Oh, okay. So I got two more years. Correct. So <laughs> I think you'll be okay for, we can miss it, but it hasn't been affected by COVID. Okay. Whereas tennis has. All right. So MB. Correct me if I'm wrong here, but the U.S. Open is happening, right? In New York City or in yes. Meadows. Yes. Okay. Yes. All right. What else do you know about the U.S. Open? What else can you lay on me? That's the thing I care about the most next. And Serena is committed to playing. Serena is still committed to playing in the U.S. Open. Good. And I will, if she wins it, I will fight tooth and nail for there not to be an asterisk next to it. There will be no COVID asterisk. You'll have to fight. I will fight tooth and nail. <laughs> and Marissa, fight tooth and nail first. Well, it's, I only brought it up because I know who, who, who's going to play against her. Nobody else has been. Well, we'll have to see. The deadline, I think, is upcoming. I was reading something that Simona Halep said last month. She said she she said she wasn't planning on it, but it, her decision was not set in stone. And it referenced that I think you need to make the entry um, and you need to make the decision in July. Now the question is, so I mean the New York numbers in COVID, the New York COVID numbers are doing better than the rest of the country. Oh, thank you. Um, and, uh, you know, they are trying to create this tennis bubble, like the Cincinnati Western Open or whatever it's called, you know, that's oh, being yeah. played in New York City or at the U.S. Open Tennis Center. Oh, okay. So they're trying to create this bubble so that there's less travel. Oh, that makes sense. And, you know, they're not letting fans in, except they did talk about maybe they would let, like, some first responders into, like, matches at Arthur Ashe Stadium where okay. you can really spread people out. And I'm like, all right, that's cool. I know you can still temperature check people, and, you know. I don't think you, I don't know that you have to require them to wear masks in the stands outside if they're socially distant. Um, but the real thing was kind of these other restrictions. Like, I remember reading, and maybe you can now, but I remember reading Novak, like, telling me my whole team can't travel with me, can't come, can't sit in my box. I'm not coming then. Like, I think that's ridiculous. And actually, frankly, if you're not going to let fans, then why couldn't you just say, have as many coaches as you want, but only this many people can sit in your box and the rest can fan out around your box. If no fans are there, what difference does it make? There's plenty of space. So, and Novak has to know he has a better chance of winning the U.S. Open than beating Dahl in the French. Are you sneezing, MB? 
No. Now? I'm moving my chair. Oh, okay. I thought I heard sneezing. I was going to race down and check you for COVID. No. I was fixing my chair. Oh, all right. All right. So the U.S. Open. I can't believe it doesn't start until August 31st. That's so far away. So far. But hopefully, I'm hoping they're going to televise the tournament ahead. So maybe in like a month, we'll have some good tennis on TV. Ahead? You, the, the one, the one that's usually in Cincinnati, uh, they are playing that, yes. but they're moving oh, it. Right. To, I'm sure they yeah. Okay, so, All right, so we've got about a month until we see some hopefully, you know, hard court professional ATP WTA tennis here. We don't know who's coming. Probably the Europeans and maybe the Australian players. Maybe they will just play in Europe. I can't guarantee you professional tennis, but you're always welcome to watch me. Ah. Uh, <laughs> no, because I feel the professional tennis players will be taking COVID more seriously. I heard reports of people up at the tennis courts not oh socially distancing, yes. just sitting there. Yep. I'm sorry. You don't so need bizarre. to sit right next to each other. I mean, you and I do, but I, we're a bubble. We're our own bubble. We're not random people from other neighborhoods no. coming in. We're not strangers. I my thought, I was just trying to talk no. about one, one of our good friends. V and I were talking about this, and we were saying, if you're if you're not playing your match, you have no reason to be there, and if you're done with your match, you should leave. Right. But some people really like the social aspect. And I get that, but not now. I know. It's it's <laughs> my right to safety. Yeah. It well, it's selfish. My freedom of safety. But it also is maybe desperate is an unkind word. I don't mean it in an unkind way, but I think there are probably some people that are so starved for social interaction that they literally can't see that they're doing everybody a disservice. Yeah, play your match, leave. But, you know, apparently I've heard some people like people that are cheering for them. I was never one of those people, so I don't get it. But, <laughs> but even still, up at, you know, the courts here, like, there's enough space that you can stand six feet apart Absolutely. from somebody. Absolutely, thank so. you very much. And honestly, if you're not out there on the court physically exerting yourself, could you at least wear a paper mask to help a little bit? Like, it wouldn't be that big of a hardship, I think. But all right, so we have the U.S. Open, and then after the U.S. Open, we will have the French Open. So Yes. Yeah, I sent, you, I sent you a story about the French Open. Wait, did you text it or did you chat message it? I'm... I messaged you. It should have been in one of your text messages. Wow. Oh, all right. Because the latest text messages I have from you are what you shared with us. The DNC outlines remote voting process for Milwaukee Convention. Also, Cuomo says Northeast will likely see rise in COVID-19 yep. cases due to surge in other parts of the country. And Pelosi plans legislation to limit pardons and commutations after Roger Stone moved. All right, I will say this, just to cross back over into politics for a second. I have not looked at the Roger Stone commutation carefully enough. Um, is that what it's called? This is a commutation. Um, because, because, what's the actual what's, definition of commutation? All right, well, I could look it up, but I'm first going to give you okay, what I think it is. Idea. You have commuted someone's sentence, oh, okay. yes, which okay. means he doesn't even have to serve it. Now, pardons, every president... Democrat and Republican, when they're heading out of office for the final time, they use their lame duck presidencies to pardon people. 
but a pardon is where you've been absolved after the fact and you have perhaps already served your time yes. for the crime yes, and yes. just for reasons of like sometimes felons can't vote right or even just like maybe somebody's dying of cancer and you don't I don't know that anyone should ever be pardoned, frankly, but I know Democrats and Republicans alike have done it. But the commutation thing, and I think what you shared with us, MB, was, and of course, not surprising that Mitt Romney was the Republican yeah. that said this because he hates Trump. But he's like, this is just historically horrific. And you know, there are the reasons. Yeah, the reasonable Republicans, because I know there are some people that don't think anything the Democrats say is reasonable. But reasonable Republicans should be concerned that Trump is setting a precedent with these things. And I'm just like, okay, well, the next time a Democrat is president, I guess there will be no release of tax, you know, returns. There will be no judging of anything of this because Trump set the precedent. Oh, my God, this was so funny. Wait, did I text this to you guys? One of Trump's people, I can't remember who was being interviewed on a show, and he said the, the Democrats' efforts to get a hold of Trump's tax returns are just designed to embarrass the president. Oh, yes. And then the follow-up question Mulvaney was, okay, Mulvaney said it. The follow-up question was, well, why would the president's tax returns embarrass him? Right. <laughs> and I wonder how he answered that. How could he? It was a, to it had to be, a to he walked totally into a trap that he said himself. I, I wonder what Trump's hiding in his tax returns. Um, one, the fact that he's probably never paid federal income tax ever, uh, you know, that, that. Uh, so is he, so is he bankrupt if he doesn't pay tax? Oh, remember MB, he's never personally filed for bankruptcy. I'm like, I'm sorry. If all of your businesses keep filing for bankruptcy and you are a closely held private family business, as in you are not publicly traded on the stock exchange, you're not subject to SEC, you know, review, then yeah, I think that's a reflection on you personally. That's the way mobs run. I know. They sure. laundering. Yeah, things. absolutely. So my, thought, my simple thought is he's been money laundering through his casinos. Sure. That's why, uh, I don't know if they all went bankrupt, but I know the one main one did. Right. Um, so my thought is, every time he goes bankrupt, it's because he's shutting down the business. Sure. He's gotten everything that he needs to get out of it, and now he's on to his next thing. I mean, I just hope, because I, I do know some people who part of their rationale for voting for Trump would have been, well, he's a successful businessman. And I'm like, you really have to look a little deeper there. But I also said, I've said this ad nauseum since he was running, which is, I don't think being the head of a closely held private family business that you basically inherited to start prepares you or is equivalent to running a country where there is actually public accountability. Like one of the things that has pissed Trump off throughout his presidency is like, what do you mean I can't do that? What do you right, mean right, I right. need to ask Congress? What do you mean the Supreme right, Court right, gets right. to weigh in on this? Because he doesn't get it because he's never had any true oversight. And my youngest brother was saying, like, oh yeah, basically, I mean, like what Trump does to avoid paying his bills is he just sues the people who he owes money to. Right. And I mean, He's not a good business person. No. He's a sociopath, according to his niece. Right. That's her words. Uh, and he's also, as everybody knows, a narcissist. I mean, I don't even know if any 
Trump supporter who is willing to like actually engage in reality could say he isn't a narcissist. And I don't know if I've said this on the podcast before, but not all narcissism is bad. I mean, a certain amount of narcissism is actually beneficial to progress and accomplishing certain goals. But if you check too many of the boxes, then it becomes a problem. And according to Trump's clinical psychologist niece, he might check every single box and he's a sociopath and he's the most dangerous person in the world. <laughs> so nobody should vote for him. For the love of God. Can everybody on a roll today? I'm on a roll. <laughs> for the love of God, if you don't want to vote for Biden, can you at least write in Kanye West or yourself? That's all I ask. Oh, I can't vote for Trump. Don't vote for Trump. Fine, write in, write in Babs. Well, I'm running for Biden. Oh, okay. I mean, sorry. I'm a Democrat. I'm running for Biden. Yeah. Yeah. We need some type of leadership in this country. Or we just need somebody that isn't going to, like, for the love of all that is holy, make things just worse on a day-to-day level. Like, Trump makes everything worse for people in their daily lives. Everybody, regardless of your philosophies oh, or moral people that would argue and say oh no no but think about it they're outraged the second rights people who are showing up in michigan you know with their guns at the state capitol because god forbid they've been told that, they can wear a mask right. they're upset like come on we need somebody that doesn't make everything so divisive yeah trump is a divider not a uniter and are we not the united states of america we are, are we the divided states of america we <laughs> incorrect we might be before yeah. the time is up. Actually, you know, yeah. I forgot when we were talking about li- school discussion, hold on, Envy, to give Marissa proper credit for the quote that I am crediting to her widely everywhere <laughs> I use about back to school. If there's not a solution, there has to be a solution, and if not, a choice. Oh, no, I think, if, no, I think. That's you. Was- no, that's you. There has to be a solution. And no, it's I not thought a I said if there's no choice, then there has to be a no, solution. No, I said it the other way. I wrote it down. It's very eloquent. Yes, you said there has to be like a solution. No, I like it this way. <laughs> there has to be a solution, and it's, it's not, not a choice. choice. Okay. All right, I'll go Because that. the solution is what you're striving for. Right. The choice is the acceptable reality. Right. It's not the preference. The preference is a solution. That's why you have to pick first. Because first is best. Okay, I got you. All right. All right. That's my rationale. I don't, yeah. I like it. it. That's all I got. I'm running with it. It's okay. But it applies to so many things. Really. It I really mean, does. And it's not, you know what? So no. It's. No. Uh, did you hear what Trump said about schools? Wait. Wait, what? Uh, oh, what? That, yes. They have to open or he's going to cut their funding, which isn't even his yes. to do. Although we know Betsy DeVos, no books on her bookshelf. Betsy, wait, is it Betsy or Betty? I don't know. Betsy. Betsy. Betsy DeVos, we know. Um, Betsy, no books on her bookshelves. DeVos would probably just agree with Trump if he like issued some executive order. Like, you don't get funding if you don't reopen. But, but when I look at her, I think she looks kind of Well, she doesn't have a brain in her head. Can't even look at her. <laughs> she was not ever meant to be secretary of education. No, frankly. Um. So yeah, she might have a vacant look on her face most of the she time. She does. She really does. I'm like, what's going on in that magazine? 
Nothing probably related to education. I'm just waiting to see who Biden's Secretary of Education, education is going to be. Well, I was waiting. I wanted, so I said to Jonathan several months ago that I thought it would be awesome if Biden announced his cabinet before, like, once it became clear that he was going to be the nominee, I'm like, let's get people excited. Say, who's going to be your Secretary of State? Who's going to be your Secretary of Education? Yeah, yeah. I'm like, set up your shadow cabinet right now and undercut every single decision that Trump's people are making. But he didn't do that, so I'll have to write about it in one of my novels. Right now I'm working on fiction novel number one. I don't know. I've probably got about 30 to 40 pages. I've got a lot of different plot lines going. We'll see how it plays out. I'm so interested to see how it plays out. (laughs) Highly entertaining for me. Loving it. Love it. Love it, love it. If I have Frank Kamen, that's going to become my primary occupation. Now back to... uh, Now back... Where were we? We were talking about tennis earlier. Oh, oh, sorry. You want to bring it back to sports. All right, but you have to talk about the NFL next. I don't want to hear any okay. other sports. I don't care about them. I only care about the NFL. I'm wearing my Tom Brady TV 12 shirt. Not even college? I don't give a crap about college. <laughs> I was happy to see on the front page of today's sports section in the AJC that college football is looking less likely as the players keep testing positive for COVID. Did you hear uh, did you hear about Patrick Mahomes' contract? No. What? Do tell. He uh, he signed a 10-year, Patrick Mahomes signed a record-breaking 10-year deal with the Kansas City Chiefs worth up to $500 million on Monday, making it the largest contract in sports history. The Super Bowl champion and MVP will be in Kansas City for 2031. I won't be sad if he blows out both his knees and never plays again and still has to get paid. Patrick Mahomes. Okay, I didn't even know he was up for contract renegotiation this year. I heard nothing about him becoming a free agent or anything. I wonder if they renegotiated his contract. Yep. I don't know. He's not worth it. Whatever. Uh, Kaepernick is on the side. But, no, I shouldn't say I think that back. He has been signed to a deal with Disney. A series about a what? Documentary about his, his, his story. Wow. Okay. Is this about? Is this about Kaepernick? Yeah. Yep. That's, yeah. Okay. That's cool. I'm curious about that. I mean, honestly, the problem for him, I think, is the longer he's out of the NFL, the less chance, I'm, less I likely. I really did think. I mean, honestly, I was wondering if the Patriots would do it because they like to consider themselves to be. They need some public rehab, I think. I'm not sure they're considered the most um, Black Lives Matter friendly franchise in the NFL. They're not the worst. That would probably be the Cowboys. No. I I, Black Lives Matter? I mean, that's a set of guns and a total racist, probably. I have another another thing about the NFL. NFL officials are expected to wear face coverings and gloves during the 2020 NFL season, per report says, and it came out one hour ago on CBS Sports. Ooh, breaking news. I'm not sure how much that helps anyone, but okay. I guess they're handling the ball, but unless they're coughing on it, I don't know that it's a problem. Or it's not deflated. It's not. <laughs> oh, it's on, Marissa. <laughs> it is on. 
on. <laughs> Well, oh, frankly, ball. the gloves will probably <laughs> deflate the ball anyway. It probably have some chemical effect oh. on the air in the balls. Oh, my oh, God. For the love, I can't believe you went there. And I'm wearing my TV 12 shirt. What is that? It's TV 12 TikTok. What, what does that mean? TV 12. TV 12. Oh. Tom Brady 12. The GOAT. The dominance. Who gives a crap about freaking Patrick Mahomes and Weak ass middle of America, Kansas City. Oh, she's on a roll today. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I have a good friend who's from there. <laughs> I love her. But, uh, anywho, for the love. All right, all right. So that's a good NFL update. I think it's bizarre. I think it's stupid. Um, I don't think he's worth it, and certainly not for ten years. Who locks somebody into a ten-year contract? That's obscene. That's that's stupid. Wait, are they the Super Bowl champs? I can't even remember. Yes, they are. Yes, okay. they are the Super Bowl they're never, champs. They're never going to win another one again, ever with Mahomes. That's my prediction right here. Boom, done. Yeah, just update that everybody would like baseball. No. We don't like baseball. Oh, okay. We like the well, NFL. And we like tennis. And maybe some World Cup. Fine. What about the Olympics? World Cup in 2022. What about the Olympics? They're not happening this year. We don't care about them. We don't care. No, uh, but but they might next year. They might be allowing fans back in. Well, yeah, I would hope. I mean, part of the reason of pushing it, I'm sure, was that they couldn't have fans come safely. We're not doing it. Let me. Okay, let me tell you guys something. We're not doing nothing until we have the vaccine. And when I say <laughs> vaccine, you're gonna get the vaccine, and it's gonna prevent you from getting it. And it's going to work. But you know what? Nothing's 100% effective. Even the flu vaccine is not 100% effective. Polio vaccine, smallpox. Did eradicate it. But why has the seasonal flu never been eradicated? Because it changes every year. But even then, it doesn't, some people get the flu vaccine and they still get the flu. It's a virus. It's a virus. I have a question for you. What what do you think about Cam Newton going to the Patriots? I know. I know. I have a lot of thoughts about that. My first thought is, one, I'm not surprised. Two, I am curious if he is competing with Stidham for the the starter's job. They only signed him to a one-year deal, which is what I would have expected them to do. But really, the most amazing thing, and this is perhaps right here I'm going on record, is the downfall of the Belichick Patriots dynasty. Oh, uh, insert eye roll here. <laughs> is he's letting Cam wear his number one jersey. Belichick has never had anybody on any of his teams wear number one because that's not the Patriots play. Nobody is number one, nor should they think they are, nor should there be an outward display that they are. So really, they should um, put Cam in number twelve and I see totally if he can move up to it. To them. Yeah, I totally yeah. That just happened with them. It's recent, yeah. I'm not surprised. I'm surprised it took that long for them to do it, but I'm not surprised. I mean, they could not just have Jared Stidham and freaking Brian Hoyer as their backup quarterback. Unacceptable. Unacceptable. I'm going by what you say. Yes. If you say it, then it's true. If I say it relative to the Patriots, then it's probably true. Yeah. So it's like ninety-nine percent. Like ninety-nine percent true. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. And, and that, not only true, <laughs> but correct. 
Correct. Correct. Correct. Oh my goodness. All right. Well, it's 4 p.m. Eastern Daylight Savings Time here in Georgia. So I think this is a good time to say bye for now. Bye for now. Bye. Bye, bye for now. We said we would give a bit of air time to teacher concerns about going back to school. I am on a website right now, uh, boardteachers.com. That's B-O-R-E-D, teachers.com. So therefore, I'm not thinking the URL is the best. But anywho, uh, here it is. There are so many unanswered questions. Teachers have urgent questions about the safety of returning to school and what will be done to keep them safe. How will social distancing be maintained? Will there be enough cleaning supplies? Who will be responsible for constant cleaning and sanitation? Are masks required for students and staff? Will masks be provided? Will house screens be done daily? What is the procedure if an adult or child is sick at school? Will teachers be paid if they need to quarantine or are out sick with the virus? Okay. Sending teachers back to school is a possible death sentence. Teachers will die. That's not being dramatic. It's a fact. Thousands of people are still dying every day from COVID-19. Okay, this was an article from early July. Um, Many teachers have risk factors making them more likely to get seriously ill or die. Stress weakens the immune system. This makes it more likely to contract the virus and increases the risk of serious or deadly symptoms. Teaching is stressful in the best conditions. The stress of teaching in a pandemic puts every teacher at high risk despite age and health factors. Teachers are afraid they'll contaminate and kill someone they love. Again, this isn't an exaggeration. This is a very real and scary possibility. Many teachers are caregivers for parents, grandparents, spouses with compromised immune systems, children with special medical needs, and even elderly neighbors who have no one else to help them. Let's see. Teachers fret about finances. If someone in their class tests positive, will they have all have to be quarantined for 14 days? Will they still get paid? What if they get sick and go over the limit? of paid time off. Will teachers lose their jobs if they express concern? Many young teachers without underlying health issues are worried they'll face repercussions if they express concern about returning to the classroom. The logistics of sending teachers back to school just doesn't make sense. Uh, Let's see. How are teachers going to manage behavior and social distancing? Keeping kids six feet apart, ensuring hand washing, surface sanitation, and proper mask wearing seems like an impossible job for one person. Teachers will spend all their time monitoring and won't have a minute left to actually teach. Many classrooms don't even have sinks and almost none have hot water. Teachers fear getting quarantined away from their own children or worse, orphaning them. Teachers are worried about dying and leaving their own children alone. Think about that a second. These professionals are being called back to work in dangerous conditions for other people's children while putting their own at risk of getting sick, dying, or becoming parentless. Why is it acceptable to expect teachers to do that? Yes, everyone is worried about keeping their jobs and being able to support their families. Schools being open makes it easier for parents to continue working, but teachers aren't babysitters. Hmm. They didn't sign up to to risk their own lives and the lives of their families so everyone else has childcare. Okay, so now I'm wondering if uh, the people that were providing the feedback that we discussed earlier in the episode maybe actually read this article uh, since it refers to babysitters and, of course, as the counterpoint, I guess, to this article was um, that teachers are not the only people who have jobs 
where they have to show up in person and work who didn't sign up for um, being put at risk either. Um, okay, so that are those are some of the teacher concerns. Um, I guess their main differentiation that they're trying to make between themselves and healthcare workers, for example, is we didn't sign up to put ourselves at risk of getting sick, dying, or orphaning our children, where I guess presumably healthcare workers do, because we obviously can't have all health workers refuse to show up at hospitals. Um, and I guess maybe there's some other teacher arguments out there. Um, I know one of our feedback points was, you know, grocery store workers also didn't sign up for this, but it's your job and you're being asked to do it under more difficult circumstances, but teachers perhaps feel that they are worse off than other people, um, like grocery store workers that have to deal with angry customers who don't want to wear masks or who aren't following social distancing in the store. Um, so anyway, uh, that's just a little bit of insight to the teacher concerns. Again, I don't think any of those are terribly surprising or even really unique to teachers or exclusive to teachers, I should say. Um, let's see. All right, well, I think we I think we get the picture here. I think that covers teacher concerns for those that don't want to go back into the classroom and teach and therefore presumably just want to be able to teach remotely from home hopefully synchronous so that it is actually uh, teaching instruction, I guess. Anyway, we'll see how it all plays out. Bye for now. Thanks so much for listening. If you like what you heard, please head on over to Apple Podcasts or Google Play to rate, review, and subscribe. We'd really appreciate it. You can also follow us on our social media accounts. On Twitter, that's at awitpodcast. On Facebook, you can find our A Walk in the Park Facebook page by searching at A Wit Podcast. And on Instagram, you can find us at A Walk in the Park Podcast. We'd love to hear from you.